0: I have prepared ten conditions of answered prayer, part two. We started this last Wednesday night. Ten conditions of answered prayer. I told you guys, I didn't make. I, I didn't really come up with this on my own. And which I say this anyways, never really come up with anything. You know, you always pray and and ask the the spirit of God to speak to you, give you revelation on what the Lord wants us to teach. But then at the other, other side of the coin as well, Paul said that all of the scripture is good for instruction and, and correction and, and, and the, to teach the full counsel of God's word. And so, you know, really you can't go wrong teaching the Bible. But as I was studying Mark 11, a, a, a scripture you guys may not be super familiar with, Mark eleven twenty two through 24. Don't know if you've ever heard that one. As I was studying it in the Dake Bible, I went and, and I looked at some of his notes. And he had a section called Ten Conditions of Answered Prayer. And as I began to read those, I was just really blessed by them. And I felt the anointing of the Spirit of God on them. God just breathing it to me. And so I wanted to take his points, kind of add some of my own scriptures and and thoughts to it. But it, it just really backs up and solidifies a lot of what we've been going over recently. And so Ten Conditions of Answered Prayer. Before we get into this, I just want to read you 2 Corinthians 1. 24, I read this this morning while studying the word and it says this, it says, but that does not mean we want to dominate you by telling you how to put your faith into practice. Paul said, we want to work together with you so that you will be full of joy for it is by your own faith that you stand firm. I want you to look at that last part. It's by your own faith that you stand firm firm by your own faith i want to tell you this and this is why this message burns so hot in me it's by your own faith that you'll stand firm you've got to get faith every individual christian has to get a hold of the message of faith and put it to work because you can't stand on anybody else's faith you can only stand on your faith And that's what Paul is really trying to get into these believers. It's by your faith. I want to tell you something. You can come to the church house and you can get healed. Amen. But Let me tell you, you can only stay healed by your faith. You can't stay healed by the minister's faith. You can only stay healed by your faith. You can come to the church and you can get delivered You can get delivered from an addiction. You can get delivered from a spirit, from a demon, but you can only stay free by your faith. Amen. You can come and you can get a breakthrough, but you can only prosper by your faith. Hallelujah. Did you know that we prosper by faith? Do you know that prosperity in your life is accessed and possessed by faith, just like the other promises of God? That's why Christians struggle with this, but you've got to get a a revelation of this that, that somebody can stand up and preach the word of God to you day in and day out. And I know faith comes by hearing the word, Romans 10, 17, but you've got to get a hold of it and put it to work in your life and begin to possess everything that God says you can possess. Hallelujah. You know, and then also people think this too. This is ten conditions. I love that word, conditions of answered prayer. People think just because they pray, they're going to get a result. Well, you know, I prayed about that, and and I just didn't see nothing happen. Yeah, because there's there's principles of faith that you have to apply in order to get answers to prayers. Amen. I want to tell you this, guys. I don't just let anybody pray over me. You hear stuff like, well, your prayers are as good as my prayers. Well, potentially that's true, but that's not necessarily always true, right? Or, you know, you got the prayer chain, somebody's going through something, and then you got 15 people saying, I'll I'll keep you in prayer. Guys, not every prayer that a person prays or what they think is prayer actually works. There's only, there's certain things that must be applied in order to get results. Amen. Amen. We don't understand, well, I know you do, Revival House Church does, but a lot of Christians, they don't understand us. Well, I'll keep you in prayer. Well, you know, so-and-so's having a hard time, let's just pray for them. And, and, and it just seems like it just paints this picture of this God that's dead, that's not alive, that's not doing anything in the world today, and that's not, that's not the case at all. You've got to get a hold of these principles of faith. So tonight, 10 conditions of answered prayer. If you're taking notes, you could also write, Principles of faith. These are just principles of faith. And so a quick, quick, I say quick, recap. I'm not going to re-preach last week's message, uh, but I I do want to go through the first three. Ten conditions of answered prayer. Last week, number one, the first condition that we said is you must have the faith of God. Say the faith of God. Have the faith of God. The The first condition, in order to get prayers answered, you must have the faith of God. God. It doesn't say in God. It says the faith of God. So let me just tell you this. You can keep someone in prayer all day long, but if a person doesn't have the faith of God or God-like faith, their prayers aren't getting answered. They're getting no results. Right? We get that from Mark 11:22. Jesus said, "I tell you the truth, have faith." We read it in the English in God, but if you study the Greek, that word in is nowhere in that sentence. The word for faith is the word pistis. The word for God is theos. He says, I tell you the truth, have pistis theos or theos pistis. Have God faith. Say God faith. God faith. So here's the question. What is God faith? We said Romans 4:17. How does God perceive faith? How does God operate? The Bible says, as it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations before him who be- he believed. Even God who quickened the dead, and look at this, God who quickened the dead and calls those things which be not as though they were, God calls those things which be not as though they were. That's in the King James. You read the New King James. It says he calls those things which do not exist as though they did. It says in the Amplified that he calls into being that which does not exist. It says in the Passion Translation that he calls into being things that don't even exist yet. Here's my point. In Hebrews 11.3, it says, By faith we understand that God created the universe. God created everything that is seen from what was not seen. Say, by faith. How did God create the universe? He called the things that be not as though they were. Say, he calls it forth. So if we're going to have the faith of God, we're going to have pistis theos, we're going to get answers to prayer, what do we need to understand? We have to call it forth. Therefore, speak to the mountain and command it to move, and if you believe those things which you say and do not doubt, you'll have what you say. this Theos, that's God faith. God doesn't complain about problems. God doesn't sit, mope around hoping somebody sees what's wrong and, uh, and sees that he's having an issue because there's just a lot of things. You know, can you imagine talking to God and him just telling you how the devils really give him a hard time? Would that ever happen? Can you imagine having a conversation with Jesus and him just, oh, man, I've just been going through a a valley, a struggle. No. God tells us in Mark 11, 22 to 24, how he deals with situations. He says, this is how God deals with it. If God's walking down a path and a mountain standing in front of him, he doesn't whine about it. He doesn't cry about it. He speaks to the mountain and he says, get out of my way. And the mountain jumps out of the way. Jesus goes to a tree that doesn't produce fruit. He curses it. He walks away. The next day, the tree withered up at the roots and died. How did this happen? I tell you, you could have faith. Like you could do these things and even more. Therefore, I said you could speak to a mountain, be lifted up and removed and thrown into the sea. And if you believe, if you have faith, it says in the Gospel of Matthew, it will happen. Y'all with me still? So what does God do when something isn't there? Say, he calls it forth. What does God do when something is missing? He calls it forth. What does God do when something doesn't even exist? He calls it into being. This needs to be applied to every area of life. Man, I just really, I would really like finances. Well, if you're going to get into God-like faith, you call it forth. I would really like promotion. I'd really like opportunity. I'd really like my marriage to be better. I'd really like this. I'd really like that. I'd really like a house. I'd really like a car. Well, get into God's way of being and God's way of thinking and call the things that are not there. Call the things that don't exist forth into existence. Right? That's step one. Say step one. You know, and this is where we have to retrain our mind because we pray about things all day long. Well, I say pray, we really, we complain about it, and we'll get into some of these principles, but we're asking questions like, Lord, if it be your will, stuff like that. And we never see answers. I say we, that's not true. Some people never see answers to things that they say or things that they pray. Am I telling the truth? They never do because step one, you've got to get it in your mind. If I want something, I have to call it forth. If I don't call it forth, I ain't getting it. Amen. If I don't call my healing forth, maybe I'll go to the meeting and get touched and get healed, but then what are you going to do a year or three months from, from that meeting? And you need something. You've got to get in God's way of thinking. Call it forth, right? I can't overemphasize that. Christians will hear me preach this again and again and again and again, and whenever it comes to a mountain in their life, they just stand there. What, what's, what's wrong? And they'll pray about the mountain. They'll cry about the mountain. They'll complain about the mountain. They'll complain about what they don't have or what they wish they had, but they never go, go outside, speak to the air, call forth what you need. Amen. All right, so number two, he said, if we want answers to prayer, these are conditions. Say conditions. So that means that prayers or faith is not just answered guaranteed. You have to apply these things. If you don't stand in God-like faith, you'll not get answers to your prayer. Number two, the second condition of answered prayer, you guys will never believe this one, pray. Say pray. Did you know in order to get answers to prayer, you actually have to pray. If you don't pray, you're not going to get answers to prayer. Man, that's revelatory. So he says pray, and in Dake, Finnis Dake's notes, he actually makes this note. He says pray, and he has a little dash in in his annotated, Dake annotated reference Bible, and he says, say in no uncertain terms what you want. Pray, and what he means by praying is you need to say, say, say in no uncertain terms what it is that you want. So, principle from last week, we said praying is saying. I want you to say praying is saying. You guys got to get out of religion when it comes to prayer. You go and get, I'm going to go lock myself in a closet. Oh, Father, where art thou? Hallow be thy name. You know, we, we just start, and we, we don't understand prayer. We don't understand. Sometimes we think we're praying effectively, but we don't even really understand what prayer, pr- prayer is. I want to show you something here. In Mark 11, 22 through 24, Jesus said, therefore I say you can speak to the mountain. Say the mountain. He doesn't say you can speak to God. He says you can speak to the mountain, and you can tell the mountain to move. Right? And then look at the very last, verse 24 there. It says, if you have your Bible, therefore I say you can pray. Say Pray. For anything. And if you believe that you've received it, you'll have it. Isn't that interesting that Jesus said in, in reference to speaking to a mountain, he called that praying. Isn't that interesting? We think prayer would be me going to the, to the Lord and saying, Lord, will you move that mountain? But yet Jesus said when you're speaking to the mountain, you're actually praying. How are you praying? Well, because you're doing it in faith from a place of revelation. It's not like you're leaving God out of the equation. God's in the equation. You're entering into the equation by faith, by understanding. I understand my authority. I understand what Jesus has done for me. I understand who I am. I understand where, where these words go the second they come out of my mouth. I understand what that name means. I understand the keys that have been given to me. Therefore, I'm standing in faith of that revelation and speaking to the mountain. God's not out of the equation. God's in the equation due to the revelation that you carry when you speak. Amen. You guys think, well, that that, that just seems kind of sacrilegious. No, go back and read it, Mark 11, 22 through 24. It's very clear. He never even mentions the Father or the Son or the Holy Ghost in that context, but yet he says, pray when you pray. So praying is saying, say saying. And you need to understand this. Does that mean that we just never have time with the Lord where we actually address God? told you this last week. I said that there is... Four different circumstances in which you would address God. Praise, say praise. If I'm going to address God, I'm going to praise. Worship, say worship. Say thanksgiving. And then when you need wisdom, the Bible says in James 1, 5 through 6, if you need wisdom, ask, say ask, our generous God, and he will give it to you. So when is it that I address God? I address God when I'm praising him, when I'm worshiping him, Hallelujah, Father, thank you. You split the sea. You let me walk right through it. Thank you, Lord, that the night is over, that joy has come in the morning, that you have delivered me, you transferred me from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. This is the day you've made. I'll rejoice and be glad in it. Hallelujah. I enter into your presence right now with praise and thanksgiving. You are faithful. Your mercy endures forever. You praise God, right? We're sitting here bringing things to the lord bringing the mountain to god and asking god to do something about it but jesus said speak to the mountain so i address god when i praise him when i worship him when i'm giving him thanksgiving and then when i need wisdom it's very important if you don't know how to address a situation ask the holy ghost to give you wisdom about how to address the situation once he gives you wisdom address the situation specifically using the name of jesus in authority Amen. Not bring it to God, no, get revelation. What, how do I need to say this? How do I need to do this? What do I need to speak to, Lord? He'll give it to you, then you speak it and release it, right? Hallelujah. Amen. Okay. So, and you need to understand this. Again, if it pertains to the earth realm, you don't bring it to God. Why? You stand in your authority using the name of Jesus and call those things forth into existence. We pray about things that the J- Jesus already delegated to us. He created the earth. He left us as the standing, acting, general managers. It is our job. He already gave us everything, right? We'll get to that. But we're sitting here praying for the Lord to do something about it, and, and instead of getting faith in a revelation of what he said in his word, he already accomplished. Amen. So, Say, be specific. So praying is saying, and then Badek said pray. Number two, if you want uh, answered prayers, you must pray. And he says, say in no uncertain terms what you want. You can't be uncertain. If you're uncertain, you're not going to get it. You better figure out what you want. Say what you want. And you better Be specific. Again, I, I tell you this all the time, but Mark 11, through 24, Jesus said you could speak to the mountain. Say the mountain. Well, in order for the mountain to move, you must identify what the mountain is. If, somebody, if you're walking around all the time, someone says, what's wrong with you? I just don't know. Well, guess what? Until you know, nothing's ever going to change. Nothing's going to change. What, what is it? Why are you down? You feel sick? That you need to deal with the sickness specifically. Are you down because you're having a financial struggle that you need? Well, don't say, I don't know. You need to get specific. I also tell you all the time that in Hebrews 11, one, faith is the substance of things hoped for. Say hope for. You got to hope for something in order for faith to materialize it you got to get it in your vision. you got to get specific. I was listening to Kenneth Copeland earlier, and he was talking about how when he was under Oral Roberts' ministry, they were living in some little podunk shack of a house in uh, Tulsa, and they got a revelation of, of dreams. That Oral Roberts wrote a book it's called Don't Let Anyone Steal Your Dreams, and he really dealt with getting specific vision. And so he said one day he came home and his wife, Gloria, was building the house right she was mapping out the house that they that she wanted exactly not just any house she was mapping out the floor plan she was cutting out things from magazines laying it over the table she had blueprint paper drawing pictures of the house that she was calling in specifically and he said years and years later they ended up you know building the exact specific down to the point house that they had released their faith for Well, if it's not specific, I'm going to tell you, if it's not specific, faith can't attach to it. Because if it's not specific, God doesn't get the glory. Think about that statement. If it's not specific, God doesn't get the glory. Because if it's just vague things, you won't even recognize it. When it comes to fruition, if you just say, Lord, I'm praying that you, you, you prosper, that you bless me, I want some financial increase, and then you're not specific with a specific amount, and it comes in, no one gets the glory. You just think, well, shoot, that was a fluke. Well, that was nice. But when it's so specific down to the detail, and it comes, just like you said, there's only one solution. It's not chance, it's not coincidence, it's the Lord, His faithfulness, and His word bringing to pass what it says hallelujah so if it's not specific god doesn't get the glory number 3 we said condition of answered prayer number 3 you must have unlimited faith without qualifying and limiting god's will or what you want unlimited faith say unlimited faith you must have unlimited faith we broke down mark 11:24 this says in the King James, therefore I say to you, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. We broke down those words, the word, what the word things means, what the word what means, what the word desire means, believe means, receive, you shall have. We broke those words down in the Greek and I'm going to give you the concluding statement. That if you were to read that statement really fully in the English with those Greek words broken down, it says this. Jesus said, therefore, I say, you can have whatever you desire and however much of whatever you desire, how call it in, call it forth, lay claim to it and possess it by the authority of your words. Once you call it in and call it forth and lay claim to it with your words, you must be convinced that you have possessed it. Be convinced that you can do what God says you can do, and what will be the result? You will have it. Hallelujah. So, first, you got to get in your mind that I can have whatsoever, say whatsoever, all things, anything. You got to get out of this religious thinking, man, well, You know, God's got a problem with me having a house, or God's got a problem with me having a car. God's got a problem with me having money. God's got a problem. You got to get out of that. He said, whatsoever things you desire. He's giving us a formula of how the kingdom works to possess the things that we desire in our heart. Amen. You may say, well, John, that makes, it, that makes it sound like Christians could be multi-multi-multi-millionaires if they desired to be. Yeah, exactly what I'm telling you. Well, doesn't God have a problem with it? No, God literally says there's no ceiling to what we can obtain. The only time it becomes a problem is whenever it has you and you don't have it. Hallelujah. You know, you always got to think about stupid stuff like that. You know, people got a, a major problem. With specifically ministers, right? Because they got no problem if it's Playboy Mansion or whatever. But if a minister, Brother Copeland, Brother, some of these people, Duplantis, Savelle, have a nice house, we don't like that. That's wrong. Why? Because people gave to the ministry and, and that's what, you, you know, you have a, through people giving, you have a nice house. Well, There's so many angles you could take that at. Number one, has any minister ever held a gun to someone's head and said, if you don't give to me, I'm going to pull the trigger? Has that ever happened? No. Well, not that I know of. <laughs> Definitely not with any of those men of God. Didn't make anybody do anything, right? People were led by the Spirit of God. But they got a problem with people prospering. But then, you you know, we see something and we're like, oh my gosh, that's so wrong, that's so sinful, I just can't get behind that. But then you think about them, the house that that person has. They got no problem remodeling their kitchen or remodeling their, their bathroom or, you know, buying a house with an extra bedroom. Here's the question, where's the line at? At what point does your house become too nice where now you've crossed the line where God's okay with me having anything as long as it's on this side of the line. But, you know, once I cross that that certain cent, he's okay with me having 99,000.9999, but the second I cross over that decimal of a penny, now all of a sudden God's not okay with that level of prosperity. That's absolutely stupid. Jesus said, whatever things you desire... So that means the word things, it's each and every, any, all, the whole, everyone, all things, everything. He said the word what is the Greek word hosos. It means as great as, as far as, however much, however many. So Jesus said you can have whatever you desire and as much of whatever you desire. As long as it doesn't become your God, then it becomes sin. That's right, hallelujah. And so... Have unlimited faith. Say unlimited faith. You get a hold of these verses, Mark 11 20. Uh, I'm sorry, that's, that's moving on into tonight. I didn't write all these down, but Jesus said, Nothing's impossible for the one who believes. Guys, Christians got to get into the, this mindset. Nothing is impossible. If I possess faith and learn how to use faith, nothing's impossible. Praise God. There is no ceiling that's too high if I will possess what the Bible calls faith. People are bound by their thinking. They think too small. They just think too small. They don't think, you know, it's not that they don't think God can do it. They don't think they can do it. They're like, "Oh, I know God could do it through somebody, but he couldn't do it through me." Man, you've got to stop thinking like that. Jesus said nothing would in Mark 9:23. Mark 9:23, he said, What do you mean if? Anything is possible if a person believes. Look up one more verse real quick. Hallelujah. Let's see here. Oh, it's Matthew 17:20. Matthew 17:20. Look at this. They were trying to cast out a demon, they couldn't do it. Afterwards, they came to Jesus and said, "Why couldn't we cast out the demon?" And the NLT says, "You don't have enough faith," other translations say, "Because of your unbelief." We'll talk about that here in just a minute, a little bit more. But he says, I tell you the truth, if you had faith even as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, move from here to there. It would move, listen to this, and nothing would be impossible. I love the New King James. It says, nothing will be impossible for you. Say for you. Nothing would be impossible for, say for me. Not for God, not for some other person. If you get faith Nothing is impossible for you. Hallelujah. I'm going to tell you, Sister Angel, there is, it is not impossible for God to bring you into a situation where not only do you have a nice house, but you're building the house of your dreams and taking care of your family the way you've always dreamed of. That's not impossible for you. That's not something that everybody, all these other people can do, all these things. The Lord says, no, it's possible for you, for you, for your family. Hallelujah. It's possible for your family. <laughs> look at all these people. You, know, you look at Elon Musk. You look at Zuckerberg, and you're like, wow, they're doing all these great things. And Jesus said, no, it, you just think too small. Because if you'd get a hold of this, you would understand that there is literally no ceiling. There's no ceiling. Nothing would be impossible for you. So let's get to number four tonight. And I'm going to get moving here. So here's the ten conditions of answer prayer or principles of faith. So if you want your prayers answered, if you want to possess the things that you say, here's the principle number four. You must refuse to doubt in your heart. Refuse to doubt. Mark eleven twenty three 23 says, I tell you the truth, you can say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown in the sea and it will happen, but you must really believe it will happen and have no doubt in your heart. Say no doubt. Not 90% faith with a little bit of unbelief. No doubt. Zero doubt. The condition of the mountain moving or the promise of the mountain moving is conditional upon having no doubt, right? But, yeah, that's what a lot of Christians do is that we just don't, people don't get healed. Things don't happen. Things don't come to fruition. And we just start making up weird, funky theologies. Oh, Lord, I guess it wasn't the Lord's will. Sometimes he says yes. Sometimes he says no. No. People aren't going to get healed every time. That's, that's true. People aren't going to get healed every time when every single minister on planet earth prays for them or ministers to them. But Jesus answered the question, whenever they don't, where, what went what, what wrong? Because of doubt, because of unbelief. Amen. He said, no doubt, you can have no doubt In in Matthew 17, 19 through 20, the disciples came to Jesus privately. We just read this. Why could we not cast out the demon? Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief. Why? Why couldn't we do it? Lord, you gave us authority over the devil, Luke 10, 19. How come we couldn't cast that devil out? He said, because of your unbelief. Not because I didn't want you to, not because theoretically you couldn't. The reason you couldn't is because you had doubt on the inside of you. You have to wage war against doubt. And I'm gonna tell you for certain, you need to wage war against doubt in your heart, but you need to get doubt out of your mouth. Step 1 tonight. What can I do? How can I how can I refuse to doubt? How can I get doubt out of my life? Well, first, you need to make the decision to get it out of your mouth. Just say this after me say, if it's not faith, it's not coming out of my mouth. You need to decide, I don't care how I feel. I don't care how upset that I feel in my flesh. I don't care what I see. I don't care how many times I feel like I've tried to use my faith. If it's not faith, it's not coming out of my mouth. I'm telling you, we don't realize because I I preached this a couple of weeks ago that we have to respond, not react. You guys remember the message I preached on? What do you do when it's time to use your faith? reject fear stand in faith we have to respond to situations not react we react the report the thing whatever that frustrates us that's hard the mountain we just cry we crumble we complain we want to run and tell everybody about what's against us and, and and throw the pity party i heard evangelist david say call the ambulance." and we just release all of this doubt and then We'll sprinkle a little bit of faith. Oh, okay, now after everybody's given me the hug and the sympathy, now now I'll stand in my faith, and guess what? There can be zero doubt, zero doubt. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I want you to say this today. I want you to say today is the last day I'll ever cry over myself. Say, if I cry, I'll cry for the lost. If I cry, I'm crying for the unbeliever. Say, but no longer will I ever cry for me because I have the victory. Hallelujah. There's nothing in this world that will make me cry over myself because I have the victory in every situation. Nothing can defeat us. Nothing can defeat you. No weapon can prosper against you. Your enemies can attack you from one direction and they'll scatter from you in seven. I don't care if the door shuts, there's another greater opportunity that's opening up. There's nothing, 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 nothing should make you cry over yourself. Because you have the victory. And so we just, you know, we get doubt, we speak doubt, we speak unbelief, we complain about something. And then it doesn't happen, and then what do we do? All oh, that faith stuff, it doesn't work. No, it does work. <laughs> zero doubt, zero doubt. And I'm going to tell y'all, you all, it's not, it's not easy. You have to retrain your mind. That's why in Romans 12, it says, let God transform you into a new person, a new creation, by changing the way that you think. Man, you've got to start thinking like a blood-bought, new covenant, New Testament believer. You've got to start thinking like a son of God. You've got to start thinking like Adam before the curse. You've got to start thinking like Jesus while he was on this earth as a son of God. And we've got to get doubt out, out of our vocabulary. I'm going to give you the formula to producing faith right now. Number one, get revelation. Revelation. Producing faith, answered prayers, seeing mountains move and seeing things come to fruition. Number one, you've got to get revelation. I'm telling you guys right now, your words matter. But if you just simply repeat after me and copy what somebody else you know, it's, it's true. It's, it's one thing to have a revelation of faith. Even as a minister, you can tell the difference between somebody that has a revelation of faith and then like a faith minister that just regurgitates something Kenneth Hagin put out. They, they don't even really have a revelation of what they're saying. They just heard it, and it was cool. It was clever. It was great. Uh, you know, they think that was nice and sweet, and it's just regurgitated. It doesn't work. You have to have a revelation. Because if, if, it, if there's, there's no revelation, you're just speaking words. There's no faith. It's not the words. It's the faith behind those words that cause them to produce. Amen. Faith, you've got to get a revelation. I'm telling you guys, right now, if you're lacking anything in your life, Yes, start saying, by his stripes I'm healed, by his stripes I'm healed, by his stripes I'm healed. That's good, but that's what Christians do is they go into panic mode and they're just okay, you know, I'm trying to quote everything that I've ever heard before and they're just doing it out of reaction, not out of response, not out of revelation. Get in the word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God and get a revelation of whatever you're believing for. Hallelujah. Man, I'm telling you, you're believing for a house? Go just dive into God's promises on property. Get it in you. Listen to people that have possessed it. I mean, build your faith in that area. Get revelation. And then number two, you have to make confession from that revelation. You must speak from that revelation. That's how you use your faith. Once you get faith, the way you use it is by speaking. That's what's taught throughout the entire Bible. I believe, therefore I spoke. You want salvation? You believe in your heart. You confess with your mouth. So you get a revelation, then you speak. You make confession from that place of revelation. And then what do you do? You never waver from that confession until it comes to pass. Say, never waver. Kenneth Hagan wouldn't even pray the same prayers twice. You know, uh, you've probably heard it, many of you, but when his daughter, she had a growth come up on, his face, on her face, and this is the way that he would pray. He'd go lay hands on her, say, 11 o'clock on Tuesday. Stand in faith, speak to it. I curse you in Jesus' name. I curse you at the root. You shrivel up and die just like Jesus cursed the tree. And then he walked away. He didn't check her face. Oh, it's still there. All right, let's pray again. Let's pray again. Oh, I you know, I guess it's just it's just not gonna happen right now. It's not happening this time. And that's what we teach people. No, he's he would say say speak once. Pray once, declare once, make a confession of faith from revelation, and then Wednesday rolled around. His daughter wakes up, still has the growth. If he even had a thought about it, instead of complaining, instead of sowing doubt and unbelief and negating the faith position that he took, he would just lift his hands and say, Thank you, Lord, that at 11 o'clock on Tuesday we believe that we receive the things that we say. We said it on Tuesday at 11 o'clock, so therefore I'm not asking again. I just thank you. I thank you that I've received it. I thank you your word's true. And he would do it Thursday, roll around, see that growth. Thank you, Lord, that at Tuesday at 11 o'clock we receive the things that we said. And then one day he gets up and his daughter turns and her face, face is as smooth as a baby butt and it's gone. Amen. So never waver from that confession until it comes to pass. Don't be crossed in your confession. Another scripture I've used many times, but just think in James 1 5 through 7. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God, He'll give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking, but when you ask Him, be sure your faith is in God alone. Do not waver. For a person with divided loyalty is unsettled as a wave of the sea that's blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. I'm going to ultimately tell you this, and this is the God-honest truth. If you waver, it was not faith. Faith is being convinced of something. Guys, are you convinced that the sky is blue? Is that sky blue whether you have a good day or a bad day? Does it change the color of the sky? Nope. you can have the worst day on planet earth and it's still blue. You can have the best day that you've ever had and it's still blue. You're convinced that it's blue, right? Not depending on your circumstance or situation. It doesn't change the color of the sky because you're convinced of it. My point is this, if you're convinced of what the word of God says, it's not going to change by what you're encountering. So what I'm saying is if a week goes by and you are no longer able to stand in that possession of faith, you were just speaking words, you did not have revelation about the things that you were speaking. Because once you're convinced it doesn't matter what kind of day you have, good or bad, it's, it's a fact that's settled on the inside of you, right? So if you, if you end up catching yourself speaking against something that you've stood in faith then it just shows you I'm being honest I'm trying to help you it shows you that you are in you're not in faith you're not in bible faith in that area If there's doubt it's not faith if it's not faith if it's not faith it's not working Right Jesus said you can have no doubt Jesus said you could have faith Right? Lord, is our faith the problem? He said, no, faith is not the problem because true faith is, is pure and does not consist of doubt whatsoever. If you had pure faith that had no doubt, you, don't, you, you think we need all of this revelation? No, he said you could have like a mustard seed without doubt and it could move a mountain. A lot of people, isn't well, they don't really have faith. It's, they, they have doubt. They don't have faith without doubt. Because if there's doubt, it's not faith. If it's not faith, it's not working. Amen. True faith doesn't contain doubt. I want to share another revelation with you tonight, and you can write this down. If you're not in joy, if you don't have joy, you're not in faith. If you don't have joy, you're not in faith. If you're not in joy, then you ain't getting it. <laughs> if you don't have joy, you're not getting the thing that you hope for. You're not getting an answer to prayer. Not, the mountain's not moving if you don't have joy. Where do we get that from? Philippians 1.25 says, Knowing this, I am convinced that I will remain alive so I can continue to help all of you grow. And listen to this. And experience the joy of your faith. If you look in your Bible in Romans chapter five, at least in the New Living Translation, the title of Romans five is entitled this, faith brings joy. F- say faith brings joy. Faith brings joy. How does that work? How does faith bring joy? Well, Jesus said faith, Mark eleven twenty four. 24, this is how faith works. I tell you, you can pray for anything, and if you believe that you have received it, it will be yours. He says, believe that you have received it. Let me ask you this question. How would you act if you received a miracle? If you were paralyzed for 20 years, and all of a sudden now you regain strength in your legs, and you walked for the first time in 20 years, would you be walking around well, it's, it's been an okay day today. Was that how you'd be walking around? No, you wouldn't. You would be jumping, leaping, shouting, praising God. You would be full of joy, right? You'd be full of joy because a miracle just happened. The, if the house, the, your dream house, if somebody walked up and says, I've just built this house for you, here's the keys, and I've paid the property tax for the next hundred years. You don't have to worry about it. Here you go. Oh, you know, if I walked up to you that day and said, hey, are you having a good day? Well, yeah it's been okay. That's not how you would act. You would have joy. Say joy. So faith brings joy because faith is believing that you've already received it. So if you believe you've already received it, you're going to have joy, right? How does somebody act how does somebody act? Acts 3.8, when they've received a miracle. When Peter healed the crippled beggar, it says, he jumped up, he stood to his feet, he began to walk, then walking, leaping, and praising God, he went into the temple with them. So listen to this. If you're not in joy, if you don't have joy, you're in doubt. If you're in doubt, you will not possess that promise. So you say, well, I'm in faith. I'm in faith. I'm in faith. Maybe sometimes we need to go check how we're talking and go look in the mirror and check our face and really make sure: Am I really in faith? Do I have joy? If I don't have joy, then I'm not in faith. Hallelujah! Well, you know, because I mean, you get faith. Faith brings joy. But a lot of Christians they don't—they're not believing for anything. You know that. Most, most believers, they're not believing. They're not calling forth. They're not standing in faith for anything. They're just living. They're just existing. They just go to work, go home, pop the TV dinner in, and watch Netflix and get up, and, and that's it. That's their whole life, and it's just, shoot, I hope, I hope it works out for me. That's their life and their existence, and guess what? They have no joy. You know why they have no joy? Because they have no faith. They're not using faith. They're not possessing. They have no vision, and because they have no faith, They have no joy because faith brings joy. Amen. Okay. Number five. This is under ten conditions of answered prayer. If you want answered prayer, number five, believe that whatever is asked will be given. You want to see healing. You want to see prosperity. You want to see whatsoever thing you desire. Coming to fruition. Believe whatever is asked will be given. Very simple revelation. Jesus said in John 14, 12 through 13, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works that I've done, even greater works, because I'm going to be with the Father. You can ask for anything in my name, and I will do it. Listen how many times he tells his disciples, You can ask for anything using my name. What's his name? Jesus. So Jesus said, ask. Say, ask. Ask. Remember, we talked about that Greek word, ask, means to require. It means to call forth. Literally is what the word means. You can call forth anything using my name, and I'll do it so the Son can bring glory to the Father. So that was in John 14. If you flipped another chapter over, John 15, he tells them again, you didn't choose me, I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for, whatever. Let's get out of religion. Let's get into faith. Let's let our minds grab a hold of that word, whatever you ask for, using my name so he tells them in John 14 ask using my name it'll be given John 15 ask the father using my name he'll give you whatever you ask for John 16 23 through 24 at that time he said you won't need to ask me for anything I tell you the truth you'll ask the father directly and he will grant your requests why because you use my name You haven't done this before, but ask using my name. You will receive, and you will have abundant joy. Say joy. Guess what? When you receive answers to your prayers, the Bible says that it brings you joy. Now, do you understand why faith brings joy? Because faith possesses the promise before you ever even see it in your hand. You believe that you've received it before you see anything, so you have the joy as if you already have it. Say his name. Look at Matthew 16, 19. He says, I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. With this key, whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven. Whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. Say the key. This is what's known. I've told you many times, but I'll say it again until it gets in your spirit. Isaiah twenty two twenty two. The Bible talks about. The key of David, the scripture reads, I'll give him, this was prophesying of Jesus, the key of the house of David, which is this, the key, it's the highest position in the royal court. Because you'll hold this highest position, this key, which will allow you to enter into the highest position in the royal court. Praise God. You know, I want you to think about that. The, the highest position in the royal court is the one that's decreeing. And obviously, we're not the judge and the jury. We don't sentence people to hell, but I, I want to think about it from a different, different perspective, but it's the one that, d- that, that makes the decree, that ma- that gives the final word, that gives the command. That's the highest position in the royal court. He, because of that, he says, when he closes doors, No one will be able to open them, and when he opens doors, no one will be able to close them. It's this key to open and close any door. You want a door open, you use this key. And and whatever you, he says, bind on earth, will be bound in heaven. You loose it on earth, they'll be loosed in heaven. I want you to get the revelation. Let's tie those things back together with what he said the key to answer prayer was, use my name and you will will receive use my name the door will open use my name the door will close the name of jesus is that key of david to the highest position in the court of heaven so here's the question you need to ask yourself i'm trying to help you with your faith when you pray about something you need to ask yourself the question did i speak to that sucker using the name of jesus if you can say yes then you need to get a revelation and say, then it's impossible for it to not do what I said. Did I call it forth using the name of Jesus? If I did, then it's impossible because that, that name is the key to the kingdom. The key of David. Did I speak to the mountain using that name? If I did, then it must move, period. There's no more prayer needed. Hallelujah. We think we're more spiritual. We're trying to put on shows, right, to pray long, drawn-out prayers. Let's get into a time of prayer, and let's just jump around, and we'll just keep shouting at that mountain for about an hour and 45 minutes, and we think we're more spiritual. And if you don't do it, people that are actually in a a religious spirit will look at you and think, man, that that person's not as spiritual as I am. Really? Because... It's, it's from Revelation. I don't have to jump around and shout and scream at the thing for 45 minutes. Move in Jesus' name. And I know that name carries all authority of heaven that you must comply with what I say when I use that name. So if I said it and I commanded it and I spoke it from faith and revelation, there's no more prayer needed about it. It's done. It's settled. And I believe that I received it. And it's working. That's right. Hallelujah. No more prayer needed. That's why Jesus said, don't pray like the pagans. Don't pray. They they think that by their long, repetitious prayers that, that God will hear them. That's a paraphrase, obviously. Be specific. Tell God what you need. He says, pray or say, ask. Again, that word ask means call it forth or require it. Let's hit this, this last point. I want to get done by 30, 7.30 for you guys. I know sometimes when you come to church, you've been working all day, you've been out in the heat, and it's just like a fire hose. Psh, so I don't want to keep you here until 9 o'clock, and you're just like, oh, my gosh. I needed a T-bone steak, and he gave me seven T-bone steaks. I need, some, I need to chew on this thing. Amen, right? Steak does sound good. After I heard that they wanted us to stop eating steak, steak never sounded so good. You guys didn't know that. You know the most uh, farmland in the United States of America is owned by Bill Gates. Not for hey amen, not for long, hallelujah. But it is, and then they're making things like hey, we need to get rid of beef. We're going to the synthetic meat. Have you guys seen that? The synthetic stuff, it's all, they're trying to get rid of meat, they're trying to get rid of cows, they put too many emissions in the air, so dumb. No, I'm telling you, it's, it's, a, it's all part of the Green New Deal, it's like, it's the United Nations Agenda, what is it, Agenda 20, 2030. So, yeah, once I heard all that stuff, and it's true, you can look it up. And and there we go. We're probably just got flagged on Facebook. So, but whatever. Once I heard that, I was like, "Man, Bill Gates doesn't want me to eat meat. I think I want to eat 3 steaks a week starting effectively right now." Amen. <laughs> so, this last point here, sixth condition of answered prayer. And this will kind of piggyback, but just add a little bit more revelation. Number six, you must believe whatever is asked is already granted. I'll go ahead and give you this statement, and maybe we'll come back to it, but I want you to get this. Believe whatever is asked is already granted. I need you to get this. When we receive miracles... It's not because God granted it. It's because our faith possessed what he already accomplished. When we receive a miracle, I want you to think about this. Someone gets healed. What is the first thing that we do? And I'm telling you, I wouldn't tell you this if the Lord didn't specifically correct me recently on this. Someone gets healed, we will jump up and down and say, look what the Lord just did. The Lord just healed this person. But that's not, that, in a sense, is not true. Because the Lord didn't just heal that person. In fact, he healed that person when Jesus took 39 stripes. He healed them, but he didn't heal them just now. He healed them then. What happened just now? Our faith possessed what he did then. Our faith tapped into the reality, the reservoir that's been there the whole time and grabbed a hold of it and brought it down into possession and into fruition and into manifestation. So that's why we believe whatever is asked, whatever you're declaring, whatever you're speaking to is already granted. I told you all about the money. I said, Lord... Thank you for that $40,000, whatever. Thank you for that $25,000 check that came in last year. Thank you. The Lord stopped me, and he said, I didn't give you that check. Or let me rephrase it. I didn't give you that check last year. I gave you Jesus. You know what? Jesus In Jesus, there's 25, there's 40, there's 100, there's a million, there's a billion, there's a trillion. There's anything that can be conceived, thought, imagined. It's already exists in Christ. What you did was put the principles of faith to work and possessed what I did in Christ. Possessed what he paid for. You grabbed a hold of it. And when I got a hold of that, the Lord showed me. Therefore, I'm not waiting. Oh, Father, will you please give us another one? Will you please do this? No, I, you're not waiting. Now you're possessing. Now you're possessing. We get that from 2 Corinthians 19. I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians 1, 19 through 20. For Jesus Christ, the Son of God, does not waver between yes and no. He is the one whom Silas, Timothy, and I preach to you as God's ultimate yes. He always does what he says. Look at this. For all of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ with a resounding yes. And through Christ our amen, which means yes, ascends to God for his glory. I want you to hear this. The Bible says, I pray that you would be in good health and prosper even as your soul prospers. The Bible talks about all things that pertain to life and godliness. He's given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. God's already healed you. God's already prospered you to a multi-multi-million dollar level. God's already given you the house. God's already given you the car. God's already given you the yes. God's already given you all of the promises have been fulfilled in Christ. We have to possess them. Believe that we have received them. Hebrews 10, 12, our high priest offered himself as a single sacrifice for sins, good for all time. Then he sat down at... Uh, the place of honor at God's right hand. Basically, that just means this: as far as God is concerned, it's done. It's already done. That revelation. It'll change your life. As far as God is concerned, it's already done. Uh oh, <laughs> it really might need help, Mama. They said, after Christ made his supreme sacrifice, his work for our sins was finished. He could then sit down and wait to see his work completed in the lives of believers who would be free from sin and delivered from their enemies. I want you to hear me. God's already delivered us. He's already delivered us from our enemies. He's already delivered us from the devil. He's already delivered you from the attack the devil's got planned 10 years from now. We just really need to pray against the devil's attack. No. We stand in faith and hold up the shield of faith, and with which we quench every fiery dart of the enemy. I don't got to pray about it. We stand in faith. Jesus already defeated it. Amen. Any weapon that would ever form against us, he's already defeated it at the cross. Colossians 2, he disarmed it. I'm going to end with this. We have to force the physical world to comply with the Word of God. Guys, you got to get into this reality. You look around. You're not subject to life. you got to look at life and say, you know what? I'm going to stick with this until you do what I say, life. Finances, I'm sticking with this until you will do what I say. I will force you. I'm going to make you do what I say. You know, Genesis, I want to show you this, Genesis 128, what God told Adam. He made Adam, and he says, he blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth, subdue it, say subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. That word subdue means to subject. It means to force. It means to keep under. So think about that. God made the earth. He filled the earth, right? He prospered. He made all of this life, and then he told Adam, I want you to force it to be under your control. It actually, that word subdue means bring into bondage. What if we stopped living subject to all these things, and we actually <laughs> we brought those things into bondage under us? The devil's not the oppressor of the Christian. The Christian's the oppressor of the devil. You don't oppress me. I oppress you. Bring under, bring into bondage. It means make subservient to dominate. Say dominate. So the Lord, that word, the Hebrew word there, that's what it means. Make it subject. Bring it. Force it. Keep it under you. Stand in your authority and force the earth to comply with you, Adam. You're here. You've been given authority on the earth. Make it listen to you. And then he says, have dominion. Say dominion. It just basically means to rule, to have dominion, to dominate, to tread down. Take hold of the promises of God and force the world to comply. Matthew eleven twelve, 12, it says, and from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. Violent, take it. You've got to get violent. You've got to get radical. You've got to get the word of faith in you, and you have to start taking ground by force. Say by force. What does that mean? It's not always just going to come automatically. There will be a fight that you have to fight, but it's not against the devil. The only fight you have to fight is the fight of faith. That's the only fight that you have to fight is the fight of faith. The fight when something that you, you're, the, the, the word says about you doesn't seem to be true, then you're having to walk by what God says and not by what you see. and then you force the world to comply with the word of God. Hallelujah. Praise you Jesus. Amen. Somebody say, "Amen. amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Mm. Lord, bless them for being hearers of the word in Jesus' name. If you would like to sow a seed or partner with this work that the Lord is doing, check out the description of this podcast or go to www.rhctx.com forward slash give. You can find all the ways to give on that page. Thank you so much for tuning into this podcast. Until next time, this is John Wallace.